Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Our interview guest today is Gwendolyn Oxenham, a terrific writer whose new project is the podcast series Hustle Rule, the untold stories of women's soccer, which is hosted by Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso. Before we get going, you can sign up for a subscription to my writing site at grantwall.com. It has all my writing, including magazine-style stories and on-site coverage in Monterey of the CONCACAF Women's World Cup qualifying tournament. That's grantwall.com. Now, here's my interview with Gwendolyn Oxenham. Our guest now is, in my opinion, the best long-form writer on women's soccer in the world. Gwendolyn Oxenham's phenomenal new project is the podcast series Hustle Rule, The Untold Stories of Women's Soccer, which is hosted by Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso. The series is based on Gwendolyn's book Under the Lights and In the Dark. She also has a terrific new feature story for Sports Illustrated on Naomi Gurma that you should check out. And she wrote the essays for the soon-to-be-released coffee table book Pride of a Nation on the U.S. Women's National Team. Gwendolyn, it's great to talk to you. Congratulations on all this, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Grant. It's great great to be here. Um, lots to talk about here, but let's focus on the podcast series. What is this podcast series, if you could explain a little bit to listeners? Yeah, definitely. So um, my book, Under the Lights and in the Dark, were all the crazy unknown stories in the game. Uh, I played professionally in Brazil, and uh, I just remember hitchhiking to practice. And like, as I stood there on the side of a dirt road with my thumb out, I was, I just remember thinking like, holy shit, like if this is what the women's game is like in Brazil, like the, the best country at football in the world, what's it like in the rest of the world? So that made me write the book. And now um, it's an audio docu-series. So it's not interview style. It's really, um, it's, it's a story, but it's their stories. Now it's told in their own voices. Um, so you hear from the players themselves. And since I wrote the book, a lot of the stories have evolved and, um, you know, they're, it, it's, it's, it's different from the book too. And then, um, Hannah Waddingham, might have the most magical voice in the entire universe, in my opinion, and, and hearing, you know, um, a woman who I had watched as Rebecca Welton and Ted Lasso, who was such an inspiring force of life, um, and that whole show just moved me. Um, having her give voice to these stories, um, and she's passionate about it, and um, it's, it's been an awesome experience, and it's, so it's just, it's a seven-part series, and it's essentially um, little documentaries, audio documentaries. Um, it felt like making seven little movies. It's been a couple of years since your book came out, and, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a phenomenal book. People should check out your book as well, in addition to the podcast. How did this go from being a book to being a podcast series with a pretty prominent actor tied to it? Um, well, Waffle Iron uh, production company, it's um, Nike's uh, content branch uh, where they're, uh, they're, they approached me and said, we would love to turn this in into a series. And so they've been awesome. And then we worked with uh, Audio Up and iHeart Radio podcasts and uh, turned each chapter in, in, into a story. And I've done a couple, two narrative podcast series over the last few years, and I really enjoyed doing it. And 
it sort of exercises some different muscles, uh, maybe than writing. What's the process been like for you on this and how, you know, what are you involved in with the podcast series? Um, it's been intense. I definitely, when I was writing the Naomi piece, uh, it felt like such a relief to just be able to write. Um, be, I mean, it's, there's so many steps. So you're tracking down all of these players all over the world. I mean, we, I think we've talked to like 50 players and then you're, I'm, I was interviewing all of the players and then you're shaping their stories to sort of fit the storyline. Um, and then you're finding the sound effects. We have this amazing theme song by A1 LaFleur, um, who in- introduces each episode um, and then just uh, right, making the scripts and then you're hearing the bites and, and fit, picking which bite uh, most you know, gets to the heart of the story. Uh, so there's lots of, I mean, it felt like making Pelada again, uh, the documentary I made about pickup soccer, but seven times, I mean, and just a lot of juggling multiple characters. And um, it was so fun. It was so fun getting to talk to players all over the world. Um, so that was great. I want to talk about a particular episode, uh, episode two, uh, which is called Play Away the Gay. And um, you're a big part of this episode. Uh, your voice is, is all over it. Um, and I was just wondering to start, could you explain a bit about what the storyline in that episode is? Yeah, so when I was playing, uh, I played against the Eagles. So I've been following them since I was 17 years old. And, uh, you know, my gay friends would go play on the team and they would come back not gay in uh, their words. And um, I've just always been really perplexed by this whole situation. And so I went um, to dive into it. Um, and now, while, while in my day, there was sort of an unspoken understanding that you weren't allowed to be gay. Uh, nowadays, they have players sign a contract saying, I will not engage in homosexual behavior. And this is 2022. And I just, it blows my mind. They also were named like a Southern franchise of the year last season by the WPSL. And I just, I really, I don't understand how more people don't talk about this. I don't understand how this is allowed. I mean, how, uh, and you know, we interviewed player after player after player and it just keeps happening every year of gay players who go play on this team and leave it in pain. And, you know, that McKenna Silber was two seasons ago and she asked them, can I, uh, can I come back to the team with a girlfriend? And I mean, they basically said no. They said, um, and I, I don't, I think that's crazy. And it's definitely one of the stories I'm most passionate about. It's, it's an incredible episode. They're all very, very good. I I was just absolutely floored by this episode and the people you interviewed and the stories they told. And this is a team in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, forcing players to sign documentation saying that they're not gay. They will not engage in homosexual activities while they're with the team. How is that? I mean, it... it my first reaction is, how is that legal? And then I remember, the, like, this week in the Supreme Court is <laughs> another part of the story, potentially. Who knows? Yeah, it, it, I don't understand. I don't understand how it's a USF, USS, U, how many S's am I saying? USSF um, sanctioned team. Uh, I don't get how this is okay. I don't, I, th- I don't think a lot of people know. And, you know, what's just really upsetting is 
when you're 20 years old, you don't know what your sexuality is necessarily. So a lot of these players, I mean, they go because they love, they have a strong faith. So they go because one, the Eagles are the best team in the South. I mean, they won the conference last year. I think they're undefeated, have been crushing everyone. I mean, they're really good. So all of these college players want to go play for the best. And if they love God, they think this is the perfect spot for them. Um, but then there's this, you know, asterisk that you must be straight essentially. And, uh, it's really painful and it causes a lot of players, a ton of confusion. And we follow, we talk to multiple players and and that that's not all of them. Um, so to me, it's just really important that people know about this team so that more players don't leave, go there and then leave in pain. Well, another interesting part of the story is there's another team in Asheville that you talk to people from, including some players who played at one point for the Charlotte Eagles. And these are teams that actually play against each other. And Asheville is entirely welcoming to anyone of all types of sexual preferences. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part of the story, um, which wasn't in the book because it hadn't happened yet. Um, But, you know, a lot of these players who were turned away from the Eagles then go start their own team in Asheville. I lived in Asheville. I love Asheville. Um, And they, on gay pride night, they're playing the Charlotte Eagles, um, which is just such an intense moment. Um, And, but to me, it's just, it's, you know, the, the episode ends with hope. Uh, this is this is what it looks like when, it, you know, if, if a community shuts you out, you can make your own community. And uh, that's what the woman in Nashville, who I'm so inspired by, did. Um, and, then, and then we also talked to other um, gay players, because this isn't just, I mean, I think that's a really important piece of it. This is not just the Charlotte Eagles. Um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I mean, I went to an FCA meeting without having any idea like what it's it's just everywhere fca is everywhere and they believe homosexuality is a sin and when they're creating the conversation on so many campuses that's a real problem um and and then we also we talked to a brazilian player and what it's like to be gay in in brazil and you know it's um religion and sexuality create uh some really tense moments and experiences have you gotten what kind of have you gotten any response since this came out? Maybe the most interesting response I've had so far was just a tweet of someone saying uh, I wasn't emotionally prepared to hear Hannah Waddingham talk about the Eagles. I worked for this organization and I I loved them, but they never they never knew who I really was. They never knew the full me, and like this is grief worthy and complicated. Um, and I think that 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 moved me just knowing that there are so many other people who've had experiences who, who, you know, too. Um, but, but no, there, there hasn't been as much of a, a res- I, I think, I think people still don't really know about this story. So, um, uh, that response, I mean, it's still very fresh too. So, um, we're kind of waiting to see what the response will be. You know, I've tried to think about the best way to describe your work. Like, You've produced more what I would call holy shit stories on women's soccer, like great journalism than anyone I can think of over the years. And um, it's That's really flattering. Thank it, you. It's it's pretty incredible. But like just from a as a journalist, like how do you find these stories? 
Like, how do, like, I don't <laughs> want you to give away your secrets if you got some, but like, how do you do this? I mean, I think I, I played, I mean, I, I played professionally in Brazil. So I knew that I was hitchhiking to practice and I knew <laughs> that, that I found that crazy. So then, um, you know, and the soccer community is tight knit. So, um, you know, Danny Foxhoven, I played with Rebecca Moros at Duke. And then, um, you know, I was talking to her and she connected me to Danny who played in Russia. And, um, you know, so from through friends of a friends, I'll just hear about something and, and go and investigate. And I, I think that even though there is so much more attention on women, the women's game now, it's still like five or six players usually. And it's, it's player 100 who's got the more interest, oftentimes the, the crazier story because, um, you know, the women's game, um, you asked me once a long time ago, like, it, it, there is a, just so much uncharted territory. I mean, for a long time, no one was covering anything. So it was easy to find a great story. It's very different than the men's game when every player has been interviewed 8,000 times. Um, so they're, they're and, and it, it's definitely changed in the women's game. Um, we're now... Um, I don't think there's quite as much accessibility uh, to talking with players, but it, it's still, there are just so many players um, who have been willing to do anything to play. And that's where the great stories grow out of, is that willingness to find a way to play, even if you're not making money, even if you have to travel across the world, even if you have to put up with X, Y, and Z, like women are willing to do it because of how much they love it. Um, and that's both inspiring and sometimes problematic and that it creates stories. I will say though, that while a lot of your best stories are with non-superstar players, you also did one on Megan Rapino that came out during the 2019 Women's World Cup when she was like at the center of the universe and had a million media covering her every day that floored me when I remember reading it. And it was on her brother and you know who had been incarcerated, who um, it, it was just such a meaningful, uh, powerful story that you got from like, so you, like, how, how would you do that? How do you do that with someone of, of Rapino's stature at that point that no one else had really looked at? Well, I think, I think timing, I mean, she did blow up sort of right after. I mean, she had always been a huge star. I'm a huge Pino fan. I think she's just a ridiculously inspiring human being. But um, I worked for the U.S. team um, where I um, was helping create their 23 videos ahead of the World Cup. Um, so I, I did get to talk with players. And while I was talking with her, um, I, I, brothers came up. And, you know, my brother went to prison. Um, and that sort of prompted um, a disc We just started talking. And then I talked with her brother. And I actually, her brother was texting me yesterday. Um, so I think I was really lucky uh, to have been able to sit down with Pino and then maybe because of my own brother connection, it, 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 uh, brought it up. I mean, it, it was a story I was, uh, really closely, um, I, I really identified with a lot of it and, um, was, uh, I think it was a heartbreaking story. Yeah. Uh, any listeners who haven't read that story, it's on ESPN.com. Find it, read it. It's, uh, it's incredible. Um, Back to the podcast series, though, uh, seven episodes, 
three have come out. The one on Ali Long just came out. What are the topics of some of the other episodes? Yeah, so um, our grand finale, the last episode is called Shapeshifters, Side Hustlers in the New Guard. So we talked to the people of my generation who you finish playing soccer at 22, maybe you're the best in the world, but there was no pro league to play in. So everyone shapeshifted. And I don't necessarily mean that in a poor us kind of way. It's really interesting to see how these badasses went on to find new lives and, you know, excel in something else entirely. So it's like talking to rocket scientists and famous music supervisors and just people who found new lives and then we watch as to how it evolved so the players who did play but had to have a side hustle and these really interesting side hustles they had and then the new guard where i mean i do think we're in a generation of outright hope um so it's that sort of evolves and um, there's the brazil episode obviously having played in brazil this country just has my heart. Um, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with Brazil and uh, we follow the Santos team that I played for. So while I was there, we shared our field with a horse. Um, but then you watch as the team tries to win the hearts of their city. And this is a story that I don't think is very widely known and following that team. And I won't give away everything that happens, but it's it's pretty mind blowing. Um, the the santos story so and talking to all those players were really it was really cool to talk with motherload you know there's a lot of soccer moms it seems like that's a very sort of common thing these days but um most national teams do not have mothers on the team not a single one um so we talked to mothers and it's also one thing i don't think that's really uh people know is that you've really faced a lot of doubt um so we talked to we focus on two mothers melissa um i always say her last name wrong uh barbary uh the australian goalkeeper who you know she won three world cups captain of the team and then she has a baby and you know there was no maternity policy she's just done and she calls eight every single team in the australian w league asking if she can come play for them and everybody tells her no. Um, and it's, you know, her fight, it's just the best underdog story ever of her fight to prove that she is still good enough and that she does belong and that, you know, having a baby doesn't mean you're, you're, you're over. Um, and Amy Rodriguez has an, a similar story of, uh, you know, get, being given a baby onesie and told they're excited about her and then traded immediately. And her, her how she shows that that was a mistake is also pretty awesome. Um, there's also uh, the, uh, so Nadia, um, Nadia Nadim's story, you know, of all the players we interviewed, hers is probably the best known, um, but hearing her tell it in detail and um you know there's also it's always the same sort of storyline you hear about with with nadia but my favorite parts of her stories are the universal elements of her 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 finding the game and listening to her talk about being a kid sitting uh in refugee camp and there happened to be soccer fields right next to it and she'd like spy on the practices and then go through the bushes looking for balls. Um, it's great. We also talked to her aunt, who's like the Beyonce of Afghanistan, um, Ariana Saeed, and her sister's a boxer and their sister story is pretty, it'll it'll pull your, your heartstrings for sure. So, um, the, I mean, all, all of the, the stories, um, Alinko, our very first episode, maybe is the one that that really moves me the most um she uh you know her fault when the scout knocked on her door or um of her 
her small home in a slum in, in Nigeria, her father said, like, I will have you arrested if you don't leave. And she told her dad, like, I'll die if you don't let me play. Um, and hearing her story is, is also, it blows my mind that you, we don't know any of the African stories, um, what it's like to play uh, football in Africa if you're a, a women's player. And um, the Nigerian Pro League has been around longer than almost any of them. And through the Nigerian League, they're able to be breadwinners for their family and change the fate of their of their whole family. And, and that's a pretty awesome untold story um, too. So I, I think I totally left out a couple of episodes, but um, I, I really, I really think all of them, um, I, they're, they're, they're powerful stories of, of women who find a way who, who, uh, to play. Yeah. It, it, it's, they're such good stories, all of them. And they're, they're different uh, in their own way from each other. And, um, just, uh, the ones I've listened to so far, phenomenal. Um, Thanks, did, Maya. did I, I kind of giggle when I hear Hannah Waddingham say your name in a sort of British accent? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, yes, yes. If you had a chance to communicate with her much during this process? She's been as, as, awesome and uh just wonderful as you hoped she would be as you watch the show um she's a magical human being she's just so alive like she's so alive and um cares about all of these stories and um i i well she asked me how she like she's like this is how i would pronounce her last name in british it's a very british name I could also, do you want me to do it the American way? I'm like, no, 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 you do your thing with it. And I've never heard my last name sound so good. Normally oxen ham, it's like so much meat. I've got oxen and then ham. And, but when she says it, I'm like, I have a great last name. So, um, but yeah, she's been, she's been wonderful. Her daughter plays, um, you know, uh, and it's, it's, it's been really cool to see her care about, the women's stories. I want to ask also about this book that you've written some essays for that's coming out soon on the U.S. women's national team. And uh, it's called Pride of a Nation, coffee table book. I'm excited for this. What uh, what does your part involve? Um, so it's, there's a sea of incredible photographs. Um, and then I'm, I write the essay for each generation. They also, I mean, I think you're all over that book, pull, pulled quotes about, so all of the journalism over the, t- the team, they pull that all of the journalism from the coverage of the team over the years, they pull sort of the best bits, but then I write the essay for each generation. Um, one part that's been, was really awesome to me was getting to write about, um, the 1980s group who you never hear about. Um, and so talking with those badasses was super eye-opening and fun. Um, and then just seeing how it all linked up, um, writing an essay for each generation and hearing one generation talk about what the generation before, there's very specific anecdotes about each other. Um, seeing it all come together and how much has changed and how much they changed just through their their will, both on and off the field, um, it, it was moving. I, I, I felt like a little kid, like in awe all over again. You also have a really good story on Naomi Gurma that I mentioned in the introduction that you've written for Sports Illustrated. How did that come together? And, and what stood out to you about Naomi Gurma as you 
reported and wrote about her? Yeah, um, well, for Hustle Rule, uh, we got to talk to a lot of the the young new players um, and uh, I was really, I really liked her story. I liked all of their stories, um, but it, it just really struck me that on the U.S. women's side, um, we didn't really have many first-generation uh, stories uh, or, and players who've been on the team. And um, I guess her stories of being at the YMCA after school program and then having her friend say, my grandpa will take us to practice, like, she was like, I might not have ever played club soccer if it weren't for that. Um, and just her grassroots sort of story of playing with friends. Um, you know, I live in California and the club soccer can feel very intense um, and where sort of the joy in the game sometimes feel like it's taking a back seat to this idea of, of winning and being the best. And, um, you know, I really love... To me, I mean, I made a movie about pickup soccer, so I think it's pretty clear <laughs> where where my allegiance to the game lies. I mean, I just I love I love the idea of, of friendship and fun being the focus of the game, and and um, and her emphasis on community and the people around her. I, I just wanted to see what she meant because she said that so much. Like, I I wouldn't none of my success would be possible without the community around me, and so I. I just dove into what that actually meant and hearing her stories. Um, she's a she's a ridic- ridiculously inspiring human being. You mentioned Pelada, which is actually, I think, the f- first way I became aware of you. Um, and can you explain to our listeners what that movie, that book is? And um, is it possible to, to you know, where can you find the film these days? It's free now online. Um, you know, so... We made Pelada, a documentary about pickup soccer around the world. We went to 25 countries. Um, my now husband, then boyfriend, and I were the two players. Our story is probably the least good in the whole thing, but it, we were the connective thread that hold really other interesting <laughs> stories together. Um, and it, it, it really made you feel good about both all the people in the world. And it's it just... You know, wherever you go in the world at 5 p.m., there are people who are meeting at the field, whether you're a prisoner in Bolivia or a moonshine brewer in Kenya or an 80-year-old in Brazil beating the hell out of each other. Um, so I, I, I love Pelada, and um, we made it when we were tw- like 22 years old, and there were four of us who just had like, cameras and backpacks, and we just took off. I don't know if it'd be possible to make today the way we did it, and I can't even tell you how cheaply we did it. I mean, we slept on the floor of someone's home in nearly every country. And, uh, you know, we were on Netflix for a while and then they took us off. And so the movie kind of died for a while where you couldn't access it. Um, And so we just threw it up on um, Copa 90 for free. Uh, So the whole thing is, uh, if you go to YouTube and go to Copa 90, you can see it. And it really, it's, it's beautiful seeing everyone around the world care about the same thing. Are you still playing ever? Oh my God, all the time. I'm such a diehard. I'm a diehard. I love it. I mean, and I don't like going running or to play yoga. I mean, I mean, to go to yoga, I want to play. Um, and I used to sort of make fun of, or I, I, some of these adult league people take it really seriously. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, uh, like, come on, it doesn't matter. It's adult league, but I think I've shifted. I think I'm now that ridiculous human who like really wants to win at adult league. <laughs> um, but it's also fun to have our kids on the sideline and, um, 
You know, there's a, a woman on my team, Jen. I really think she should have been on the national team. She's 10 years older than me and way better. Um, and uh, she has teenage kids who now play with us. And it's just so cool to have more than one generation playing in the game. And, um, you know, she raised her boys on the game. And one of these days, I'm going to write a piece about n- the new soccer moms and what it looks like to have a mother who's a, who's a player and how, the, how that shifts everything. I was going to ask, just to wrap up, like... What sort of things do you want to do moving forward? Oh, well, um, I mean, I, I love getting to do the deep dives, like getting to t- do writing profiles is my favorite. Um, I also have a fiction book that I'm 150 pages into and super passionate about and I've had to put down for the past year. And I just daydream about when I get to pick it back up and finish it. I always meant to be a fiction writer. Um, and I, of course, the game... You know, I'm, I love writing about that too, but I'll, I won't, I have to finish this fiction book and I love it. It's so fun to write. So we'll see, who knows? Maybe it'll always stay in the drawer or maybe it'll come to life one day. Knowing you, it, it will. Um, so Gwendolyn Oxenham's <laughs> new project is the podcast series Hustle Rule, The Untold Stories of Women's Soccer, which is hosted by Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso. Uh, It's everywhere you can find podcasts, so you most definitely should check it out. Gwendolyn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Grant. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Gwendolyn Oxenham as well as producer Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. See you next time.